Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so welcome to the first podcast of 2022. We hope you all had a happy new year and a very nice break for those who took one over December. I didn't. I worked all of Christmas and I'm feeling incredibly cranky. No, no, really, I'm I'm fine. Uh, We are Who Got the Assist. I'm Tom at WGTA underscore FPL on Twitter. My co-host Anthony is at FPL Stag. Also, as you can see, we're joined by Nick this week, who you can follow WGTA underscore Nick. And this week, it's a bit of an unusual pod, as we're going to give you listeners and viewers, indeed, a quick update on WGTA for 2022 and beyond, and maybe slip in some FPL-relevant chat towards the end. Now, I did put this on Twitter, actually, that we were going to do a bit of an update today, because we've got some news about the new year, basically. And in the first instance, I just want to say what this is not. And people did DM me and sent me WhatsApps and so on to ask me if I was making a Patreon, if we were finally going to be sponsored by manscaping.com. No, no, we're not. We, 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 our hygiene is fine. Thank you very much. We are not joining a, uh, one of the bigger companies and we're not making our own pod network and we're not launching a new cryptocurrency nor a new NFT, although WGTA apes could be very, very fun indeed. Instead, it's news about how WGTA will change over the course of the remainder of this campaign, what will happen next season with us as well. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. You'll either be delighted or appalled to hear, but sadly, Anthony, you've got some news to share, don't you? Yeah, yes, indeed. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone, first of all. But yeah, the long and the short of my news is that I am going to be stepping back from my role as a co-host of this podcast from March. It's been a fantastic opportunity to be a host of a podcast as big as WGTA and have the privilege of filling so many listeners' ears on a weekly basis. And thanks to you, Tom, to Nick, and to you, the listeners, for affording me that platform. And I do hope my contributions aided people's FPL management or maybe maybe more so to the point that at least gave people food for thought or mild entertainment uh, in those two years or so. But just for me, work and life commitments are pinching my time more and more. And to that extent, it's just best that I step back at this point. It's 
I guess it's easy to underestimate how much time and attention is required to make sense of FPL on a weekly basis. So it's a credit to Tom and all the other fantastic FPL content producers out there, most of whom have been a guest on WGTA at some point, that they do this on a consistent basis. And uh, I'm very confident that WGTA will be more than able to do that going forward. So thanks very much to everyone. I'll still be reachable on Twitter at uh, FPL Stag. And hopefully the WGTA gang will have me back at some point for further discussions about drumlins, about how to pronounce Doherty, or indeed Cuevin Keller, as the new era begins of Irish goalkeeping stardom, and perhaps some FPL chat too. So yeah, that's the news. Yeah, thanks, uh, Anthony. Yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure to, to have you on the pod for this last couple of years. I mean, it's, it's incredible in terms of what's really happened in the world since you joined the pod. It's been, you know, pretty crazy world. I think it was January 2020, Tom was travelling and then the pandemic hit us in March and everything kind of went to pot. And we did obviously the, the stuff in the summer, including you know, the Sons and Did I Die pods and, and everything. And then, yeah, obviously stepping in for myself um, since I've been off the pod in the last year, I think you've done an excellent job and you, you'll certainly be missed by myself uh, Tom and, and all the listeners as well so yeah it's, it's been a pleasure to have you as, as part of this sort of the, who got the assist team yeah I'd definitely echo that I mean obviously still here till March so you've still got a little while to go but obviously sorry to see you go and I was very sad to hear your news so it makes a lot of sense you know there are things shockingly that are more important than FPL as Nick found this year and you have found um, I think you've grown a lot as a podcaster from when we started um, I think you've definitely become a lot more succinct and a lot better at um, kind of packaging your points and explaining them in a very very concise and also um, eloquent way and it's been a fantastic time podding with you you obviously were our first choice uh, when I went away as Nick mentioned and I've never regretted kind of having you on board and expanding to a three as it was for a moment um, so yeah sad to see you go uh, I guess we've now got to kind of make some plans for how we move on and how we do so is threefold so next year how are things going to change the first thing is that nick's going to come back for a little bit yes we've rung him back in we've got, brought him out of retirement he's picked up his microphone which was hanging on the door and he's uh, kind of come back in on, on a semi-permanent basis next year yeah, exactly. So I think when I left last year, I did say that, you know, I wasn't gone for good. So listeners would probably hear my voice here and there every so often on the podcast. Um, and I'd I still be around. Obviously, I've got a lot of commitments with my very young family. My, my daughter's now seven months old. You know, my son's sort of nearly four. He's got other stuff going on. So, you know, very busy in the real world still. But, you know, um, pleasure to be back start working again with, with Tom and who got this this guys uh, next year as Tom said it's going to be on a semi-permanent basis not necessarily week in week out but here and there where I can support I'm very glad to have you back Nick obviously getting the old dude brothers back together sort of but as Nick mentioned he can't play with me the whole time so we've, we had a bit of a problem in terms of March till the end of the season and also kind of going forward so the first instance, what's going to happen between March and May is that we had a chat about who we'd like to help us out. And luckily, you know, we spoke to one person and they've been gracious enough to say that they voluntarily spend podcasts with me. And that's FPL Harry, who came on to the pod not very long ago. And I believe we can um, beam him in now. There he is. So very, very happy to have you on uh, just for the short term, at least, Harry. And I know you'll be kind of dipping in and out next season as well. But yeah, no, I really, really appreciate you kind of agreeing to spend some time uh, with me uh, doing the podcast for the end of the season. So a loan deal, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, no, thank you for having me. Thank you for asking me as well. I, I, I hear that I was first choice now, whether that's actually, actually, actually the case or how far down the list, I'm sure I will never know. Um, 
But yeah, I've been a long time listening to the podcast and was delighted to be invited on as a guest sort of just before Christmas. Um, so yeah, can't quite commit fully um, with trying to balance a full-time job with a semi full-time youtube channel that it seems to be taken up um in, in terms of hours now but yeah for the rest of this season from about march onwards and then when when tom needs me next season i will i will be around so hopefully again to add some entertainment or some useful insight whichever you want to take from me both in equal measure harry both in equal measure <laughs> of course the youtube channel will go from strength to strength now it's no longer with fpl tips but fpl harry you know emblazoned exactly. with your proper name exactly <laughs> so obviously as harry just mentioned he understandably isn't able to commit to us next season full-time due to life commitments everything going on so we had to a bit of a think about who joins us next year and um, they come out of the chat and we had one name in mind really from the start to join us next year uh, we thought she was brilliant on the pods we've done with her and she's a truly excellent fpl manager from next year nick and i will be joined by lucy heinert inventively at lucy heinert on twitter aka one of the best fpl managers in the world incredibly uh, i think we can beam her in as well there Hello. she is Hooray. So a mutual friend of ours, Hindu Monkey, calculated that Lucy would have the 19th best overall rank on Twitter over the last five seasons if she had not spent one year out completing her PhD selfishly. She finished 403rd in the world last season, and there's only one non-top 50k finish since 2014-15. So it's a nice counterbalance to me as a meme-ager. I mean, Nick's a good manager, but hey, you know, we'll see how long it lasts before the cursed WTA starts to bring you down. But in the meantime, welcome, Lucy. We're really, really looking forward to next year. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm very flattered that you've you've asked me to kind of come on this journey. I do understand that, you know, you wanted Harry a full-time basis, but you couldn't afford him. So, um, you know, you got the snazzy loan and now you're like, well, the budget's going to just, just reach to Lucy. So that that's fair enough. Um, first of all, um, I would say, you know, Anthony's just done a brilliant job. Um, I offer no valuable skills such as Irish pronunciations or anything like that. So, um, unfortunately... But I guess I'm particularly honoured because I guess women probably don't get as many of these opportunities. Um, so I think you know, having another woman on these podcasts is a good thing. If you do follow me, you'll probably be more familiar with my Southampton ramblings. I will try to increase my FPL output on Twitter so that you know you're following the right person. But I don't know if anyone saw that Southampton have been taken over today. So um, I won't be moving on just, just yet. Uh, I've got plenty to rant about on that one. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing what it does to my performance, as you've referenced, the uh, Who Got the Assist um, curse, general content developer curse. So, you know, looking forward to overanalyzing and overthinking every single decision I make. So, yeah, thanks very much, guys. Yeah, as you meant, as you kind of implied there, we're probably one of the most diverse pods out there now. Not by design, of course. I mean, it doesn't really matter what your gender is. I just think you were definitely the choice that I wanted in terms of going forward. So next year, it will be Lucy and I plus Nick and then Harry and Anthony kind of stepping in when they can. And our usual way of guests. As I mentioned, Anthony's going anywhere yet. Still got a little while. It looks like Matt Darty might be going back to Wolves. So got a little bit of time to have some clarity about that and Harry will take over to the end of the season. We hope we like the new signings. I'm very excited for the future and what you'll all bring to the table. And that's basically it. That's all the update. Nick, I believe, is now off to do some childcare. So that means we're going to take a little break there. And after that, let's do a quick round table while we're here, shall we? And just talk about some bits and pieces about the season thus far and how it could go. See you later, Nick. See you later. Cheers, guys. Yeah, we'll Bye. be back in just a moment. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? 
we're back. And since we're all here, I thought we should have a quick chat about FPL and stop with the self-indulgent nonsense of what's going on, shouldn't we? Timestamp has just become kind of common at the moment. It's the 4th of January 2022, the first day back at work. Oh, work. No one likes work. Anyway, there have been no double game weeks announced. James on Planet FPL and the Quellinator suggest it'll probably be next week when we hear what's going on. And COVID is still rearing its ugly head. So at the time of recording, we've recently seen that Liverpool have asked for Thursday's Carabao Cup game to be called off because they haven't got enough players. So that could impact double game weeks as well. Useful to say that next week, as far as we can, Anthony plans to do a 200 club review at the halfway stage. So we're not going to go into too many specifics on this one. I think it's going to be kind of a zoomed out sort of look at what 21, 22, the rest of the season, second half of the season will hold. The first question, I suppose, um, is what have we learned thus far this season, if anything? I think I'll start off with a bit of a, a, a bit of a cliched one, which is expect the unexpected or embrace the chaos. Like I've personally quite enjoyed having to manage difficult situations and deal with things out of the blue and making calls kind of at the last minute. I think there's something quite invigorating and exciting about that. And maybe it suits my sort of risky style of play a bit more. And so maybe it's been something that I enjoy a lot. But Lucy is quite a template manager, uh, famously quite quite a cautious manager. You. Outrageous. Well, but no, no, true. I, I am. I'm actually <laughs> hating every second of the season from an FBL perspective. There's no that you can't do any planning. There's no way to kind of mull over a transfer for a week. You just have to kind of get on with it. And quite frankly, my rank has shown that I'm not very good at doing that. So um, yeah, not embracing the chaos as well as I should be. Um, but at the same time, I'm kind of reticent to try and learn too much from the season because it just seems kind of mad and unusual and probably hopefully not something that's going to become a regular event so I'm kind of concentrating on making sure I get back into my usual rhythm once the dust settles a bit I think I've taken way more hits than I would like um so I'm, I'm trying to get back into my boring rolling rhythm of free transfers so yeah I'm not enjoying it at the moment it has to be said I don't think you can draw too much from it in kind of terms of learning for future seasons and, and long-term strategy. Yeah, I think I'd probably go with a similar thing. I find it very hard to pinpoint one thing that I look at and think, oh yeah, I've learned that this season. I think maybe it's going to encourage me to have a bit of a stronger bench actually in future seasons. Now we're probably not going to get a situation where, you know, we're having games cancelled in future seasons like we are now. But, you know, I've gone into weeks where I've had, you know, playing a rubbish player. I've had like apologies Lucy but the one that comes to my head is an away fixture for Livramento or someone for example and then you know and I've had no one on my bench to cover if I have a stronger bench there we've seen there's a lot of value particularly this season could I be better off investing more than I really have done in the past I did warn people on Livramento they got way too carried away I got on there right after the the nice curve and um, got virtually nothing from him. But I think the other thing is just be as as reactive as possible because don't don't it's, you can have your sort of ways of playing the game and, and the ways of that you think is best. But if you if we kept doing things as we wanted to this season, we'd be probably in a in a horrible state with our team. So being able to react to to things that are going on, players that you probably would never want to have picked, starting to come into form. Just trying to, yes, have previous seasons in the back of your mind, but being able to look on on what's going on now with a sort of fresh pair of eyes, I think. For me, the, the interesting thing that stands out has probably been a little bit more FPL-centric, and it comes down to formations. In a way that maybe we haven't seen in other seasons, 
it's now been proven that big at the back can be a real thing for a sustainable period of time. This has been threatened in the past by, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten game week periods, but we certainly haven't seen it, you know, elongated over a half season period even that big at the back can really be something that can be fully, fully depended on by buying five premium defenders. We're definitely seeing that now. We've maybe talked about this in previous podcasts. I remember to do with a correspondence section who got this is at gmail.com if you want someone. But I remember it was discussing how, you know, defenders are now midfielders, midfielders are now forwards. And this has kind of supplemented the the amount of points that are being scored by defenders who are basically uh, midfielders and so Trent Reese James are kind of the classic ones in this category Cancelo as well of course and so five defenders are now in the top 20 for FPL points so far this season the, there's the three that I just mentioned the very attacking ones Reese James being the biggest bolt from the blue out of all of those pardon the pun and then you have Diaz and Rudiger who are also in that top 20 uh, and they are you know they would have been from a distance being identified as dependable points sources if not maybe we couldn't have suggested that they would have been this consistent and this good and this good relative to midfielders and indeed forwards of the same price or a similar price or even a price, you know, two or three million more. And maybe in tangent with our tangential to this has been a learning that could be taken that we really shouldn't be afraid to abandon the main formations. I think for years there's been, there again have been moments where we thought abandoning three, four, three, for example, was worth doing or 352 for that matter. But now we've definitely seen a point where abandoning forwards nearly completely is a viable strategy. This has been a season of the 451 or even the 541. You know, it's Mikel Antonio was kind of the one striker that you might have wanted in the first few game weeks. Nine of it of the 16 returns he's had this season had come by the end of game week six. And then Emmanuel Dennis at the dawn of game week three had three returns in total and two of those were in game week one. And he's since then had 11 returns in 10 game weeks. It's been possible to pair up the strikers at times with a bit of success with the likes of Ronaldo and Vardy, who've had purple patches in some ways. And obviously, of course, other strikers have had big moments. But by and large, just one forward has been the way to go. And I think even still, good managers aren't necessarily... I, <laughs> I continue to not learn from this and I keep trying to find a way to do well with two strikers because I feel like that's the only way I can get some sort of an edge at this point um, because my season hasn't gone well. But it hasn't been something that's been reacted to or at least they haven't broken the, the bias that we have in our heads towards having at least two forwards on the pitch because they're the ones that score the goals and they're the ones that get the FPL points traditionally. That, that just hasn't been the case this season. And... Uh, maybe we need to kind of take that into account certainly into the second half of this season but going forward more in generally as well when we start when the, when the city season comes pre-season comes and we start to draft our teams and people start saying no you need to have uh, your budget balanced and you need to have you know, two at least two good forwards and a third one that definitely starts maybe we don't like maybe we really don't um, that's certainly been the story of this season so far it's definitely been no value whatsoever in them and I remember when we did the pre-season pod we were looking at so Maximan, for example, and why he became a striker. And part of that, the reasoning behind that, in my view, was because they were trying to flesh out the numbers. Because it does feel especially thin on the ground this year. I don't know what it is about it. I don't think it's helped that Bamford and DCL haven't been available. I think those have been really good options. Yeah. And they both had long-term yeah. injuries. Yeah. Um, I think we'd have probably felt a little bit differently about it. And it would have also given you 
more areas to kind of pivot off Antonio they were all kind of priced at a very similar level so I think it would have felt different that kind of mid price striker slot would have felt less of a kind of burden when Antonio dried up because you could have pivoted elsewhere um I've been in total denial about it I've still got Cristiano Ronaldo for some reason don't know why um and I've only recently got a very cheap striker in and I still haven't got Dennis in because I thought he was going to AFCON. So that's great. And I'm really happy about that. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. I don't think I have reacted to it um, properly, really. Um, and I even with my notes here, I'm still tipping strikers to be resurgent. So I'm clearly in denial about the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. But that's a very good point. That here with Antonio Watkins and Ronaldo. So clearly, I've also not observed that. <laughs> yeah, that's my front three as well. So, <laughs> oh, no, we're in the mud completely, aren't we? It's like I've, I've made this point and I have King, Ronaldo, and Watkins. So, it's, it's not, things aren't much better here. <laughs> but, um... It's just the fi- it was just the fixtures for United. That was the thing. Like, yeah. that was why yeah. we all jumped on it. And because obviously, Ronaldo's actually been in and, out of my, in and out of my team twice over the last three weeks because of the COVID context and buying him back. I didn't own him last week when he obviously got 12 points. I've owned him both times. He's blanked. It's just, it's, it's very frustrating with them. That's for sure. And I just wonder whether the next season is going to follow the same pattern. Because, I mean, sometimes we can read into seasons and think, oh, that's the way it's going to be going forward. Apart from kind of sustained brilliance from the likes of Mo Salah and a few of the, 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 the fullbacks, as it were, in terms of Trent and Cancelo. I think each season does have its own sort of cadence and each season does kind of work slightly differently. And it is a really interesting feature of this season. But the strikers, as Lucy sort of inferred, there were no jump-off points from Antonio. So he stayed in our team for an abnormal amount of time. Like normally we'd all have just gone, you know what, I'm getting rid. And maybe the thing to do would have been, all right, I'm getting rid. I'm going to buy Dennis and have a 5 million striker and flood the rest of my team. That's obviously such a hard thing to hindsight and it's very difficult to do so. And Antonio is always one that did look dangerous, did have the data. It's difficult to kind of, you know, look past that being a huge sort of, influence on this season i guess lucy you mentioned a second ago that you've got tipping them to come back so i suppose we should move to forecasting perhaps the second half of this season do we have any kind of teams and players that we've got our eye on you know last season we saw the likes of Ike nacho come out of nowhere and absolutely destroy um, and become a must-have like so jesse lingard of course as well when he went to west ham so it'd be interesting to see if we've got any initial views at least uh, that we can then kind of say oh you know i said that on the podcast uh, when i went up way back when so i'm glad i got that right and uh, joe willock of course how could i forget joe willock at newcastle what a don he was who uh, sees forwards and back are they this is a very very interesting hill to plant your flag on your first podcast with me well I mean I could like like a complete idiot which is is very likely but um it kind of goes back to what I was saying in the sense that Bamford and DCL were two players that I was really interested in um before the season started and should they come back onto our menus so to speak um I think they're going to be two of the people that that kickstart the striker striker section I guess um I think there have been other strikers uh, Antonio had a horrible fixture run and when his fixtures cleared up again he started to return points again so I don't think he's dead as an option um I think there's plenty to suggest that Spurs might be improving as we go along um so Kane could come back into it I really don't think Man United are going to be what we thought they were going to be um 
judging by what I saw the other night, they're a long way off where I think Rangnick wants them to be. So I'm not sure Ronaldo will be on there. But I think yeah, there are a few options who haven't had the first half of the season that we expected. And should the kind of dust settle on COVID fairly quickly, I think they might be back again. So yeah, I am living in probably significant denial and saying that, that strikers certainly the kind of 8 million type are going to come back okay i did have for example villa circled as being an example of a club who ings and watkins good examples as well yeah Yeah, exactly so their fixtures the second half of the season are low-key very very good indeed they only play united liverpool and city of last season's top four throughout the entire second half of the season and they've also got good doubles on the horizon so and Danny Ings remember when we all owned him game weeks one to three and thought that when Southampton owned him I know I know he was very good about that 198 points a couple of seasons ago 22 goals could he make a resurgence for Villa could Watkins old Wally Watkins finally pay me back last four game weeks what have I got postponed blank postponed Covid or sorry medical confidentiality (sighs) Hopefully I think Watkins is a great one to own, though. And and of those two, Watkins would be the one that would interest me, particularly because if we're going to have kind of fixed contestant as a result of all those postponements, I don't think Danny Ings is up to playing, re- starting regularly, basically. So um, Watkins would be the one that I'd be talking about. And again, fits into that bracket I was just talking about. So, yeah, I agree with those. Um, and that also supports my agenda. So well done. Thanks. I guess maybe to nuance the the point I made a little bit more um, about the forwards earlier, there is the, the next question that we face as we go into this next half of the season is, as you say, Lucy, do we expect the forwards to research or do we think that how it has been can continue? And as you say, there have been some very kind of odd mitigating factors that kind of go in favour um, or certainly can be used in favour to construct narratives uh, in favour of quite a few of the forwards. The question is really, are we willing to divest from big at the back, for example, in order to buy into those strikers? Or are we willing to compromise in midfield um, in order to get some of those strikers? And I do wonder, especially with City now seemingly having the title wrapped up, we're not too, we're not too far away from that happening. Do we start to question whether A, their defenders that we have will continue to play and B, will they be just quite as sharp about uh, keeping clean sheets? Maybe not. Uh, Trent, you'd imagine, will be fine. But Chelsea's defence has been ropey for a while now compared to how it was. Do we think that is in and of itself a flash in the pan? Or do we think that they will continue to be frail and can be gone away from? We've maybe seen a bit of a move away from the double up on Chelsea, for sure, helped by the Reese James injury. Um, but I'd be interested to see, I guess, what you think of that particular question, Harry, on Chelsea, given you that you're a fan. And then came maybe more broadly where you see things might go on that particular forecast. Yeah, we'll go to the forecast first and then I'll give a little bit of an update on where I think Chelsea are going to go. I find the midfield quite an interesting one because I think this season it's been big at the back and a lot of options in midfield. And the more I look at it, the more I slowly start to think that some of those options in midfield are not as great as they have been. And maybe we've got slightly less options than we had before. Arsenal, a lot of us wanting theirs. They play Tottenham away, Wolves away in in two of their next three and then have two blanks on the horizon potentially as well. You've got some of those other cheap options that we went with, those Manchester City midfielders as 
Anthony just mentioned, how often are they going to continue to play? Bernardo Silva was the cheap one. You now can't seem to, well, I was going to say you can't seem to buy a return, but he seems to be getting dodgy assists left, right and centre at the moment. Um, mm. But some of, uh, well, to be fair, I've owned, I've owned, I think I looked at it, I've owned Manchester City mids for 11 weeks and I've had a total of two assists in that time because I've been <laughs> on and off the wrong ones. I had Foden, then to Gundogan and then to Bernardo Silva once all his returns started up. But that's a story for, for another time. But I look at them, I look around the midfield and I wonder now that, yes, what are we going to do with, with Jota is another interesting one. Once we get both of them back from AFCON again, Firmino back fully fit, if the league is looking like it is and, and they want to start focusing on Champions League again, what, what's going to happen with Jota? Now, I'm not saying we need to sell him at the time, at the moment, but there's a slight part of me that thinks, is he going to be going back to the point where he's going to be playing one in every two games or maybe two in every three and it's going to start to be a real pain when maybe you've got someone like Rafinha who's going to play every week. But I just think some of these options that we've relied on for so long in midfield are maybe not looking quite as rosy as they are. And a lot of these forwards that have not been rosy at all, we may be seeing a switch from a lot of people playing maybe a 4-5-1 at the moment, even if it's to a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3, a bit of a shift from midfield up front I can see coming in the next sort of month or so. Lucy seems to like that I'm, I'm agreeing with her on that one. Yeah, I, I, I like when people agree with me. <laughs> The other one is Chelsea. We'll see what we do in, in the transfer window. But at the moment, with um, our defensive injuries in particular, right, I, I don't see us, us keeping the, the number of clean sheets. Plus, we're likely to have you know a couple of blanks on the horizon as well as Manchester City this week, Tottenham in 23, then two blanks, and then Leicester just a few weeks later in game week 27. Straight away, the fixtures are not there either because they're difficult or they're not there at all because we had away at the Club World Cup. But but even after that, Reese James is out likely out for two months. That is a straight away a massive impact. And then on the left-hand side, Alonso is just not capable of putting in a strong defensive performance. He plays well going forward, but we're not going to keep loads of clean sheets when we've got Azpilicueta on one side and Alonso on the other. It's just not strong enough. With the injuries at centre-back for the likes of, you know, Christensen's not playing every week at the moment. They're just going to be absolutely knackered unless we sign some players to play either on the left-hand side so Azpilicueta can start filling in at centre-back again. But I don't see us keeping nearly the numbers number of clean sheets that we've done so far this season. Do you think um, that Luca Dinu thing is going to come through? It looks more and more likely. The only the only thing I can see stopping it is what he wants from the move, right? If it's on loan, that's one thing, but he's not going to want to go back to Everton now, right? I think his time at Everton is pretty safe to say it's done. Yeah. He's not going to want to come in. And in theory, he could start ahead of Alonso, but Tuchel has trusted Alonso. So I, I don't think it's quite as clear cut that it's just going to come in and start every week. And then as soon as Chilwell comes back, he could be third in the pecking order. So is, is that what he's wanting? I, I wanted us, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen, to go for Trippier because then he's the one that plays both sides and he's known to have done it. He looks like he's going to Newcastle now or somewhere else. But Luca Dean looks looks like a sort of a main target for us. I'd be happy with him over, over Alonso, but I don't think it suddenly fixes all our defensive problems at all. I don't think we're suddenly going to start returning clean sheets and we'll start seeing points like we did before just because we've got Luca Dean back. Okay, no, that's cool. I mean, to be honest though, I'd almost prefer 
Reese James than who I've ended up with on this double game week, Michael Bloody Keane. Like, is this, if anything, I think we we definitely have seen that the defense as well, beyond the obvious picks, is becoming a bit of a minefield. Like, I've had Connor Cody since game week four, and the guy's been an absolute legend. Like, apart from this week's clean sheet, I've had pretty much every clean sheet as well as as well as the goal when he pretty much genitaled it into the back of the net. There's no other way of expressing it. It hit his balls and went in. Like I've had all of those points off the bench. He is an absolute legend. But I mean, at the back, it's not particularly great, is it? Either at the moment. Like when I was looking at Reese James' kind of replacements, I was looking at Emerson Royale with Cheese, who looks like, from all accounts, Conte is not happy with him and wants to upgrade him. At Reggie, who seems to be very, very fitful in his performances. Some weeks he's an absolute world beater. Other weeks he can't control the ball. And it's beginning to look a bit of a head scratcher there as well. Like you know. I'm, I'm beginning to look at doubling up on Liverpool, perhaps at the back, um, going with Robbo and Trent, that old sort of axis down there. There's a few others, like on the pod last week when I was on Majaxi, I mentioned Cucurella at Brighton. He think he's fourth for bonus this season and won the top beat for baseline BPS. So if they keep clean sheet, um, great he's like to get bonus and great hair as well. Absolutely. Um, but it, I, I'm interested to hear what you guys think about the defence going forward as well, because I mean, it has been big at the back, that's for sure. Is that going to continue? Can you see the likes of Cancelo staying in our teams? Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my question to Anthony when he had the whole point about being big at the back. Is that sustainable, given what we've seen, especially with Reese James um, getting injured? Does, will that work further on? Um, I guess that the thing is, you'd have liked to have gone big on City potentially at the back, maybe got Diaz in, but they won't have the doubles. So can you really do that? Um, and as Tom said, once they've got the league wrapped up, then maybe we'll see loads of rotation. So then again, you'll be like, well, do I want the ass? Um, so, yeah, I don't know if big at the back, especially we're talking about Chelsea with so many injuries, is going to work. Um, I th- I was going to bring up Wolves, but you've already kind of bragged about your Cody thing. So, um, but <laughs> I think Wolves were the, have been kind of after that um, clean sheet at Old Trafford the kind of team that people have been speaking about, particularly in terms of double game weeks and things, although it doesn't look like they might not now. They seem to be a team that we've kind of overlooked and again would make allow you to go cheaper. The the disappointment for me there is that obviously Saiz has gone over to AFCON, so we won't get the benefit of his he took a free kick and hit the bar, didn't he? Um the benefit is kind of goal threat. So that's a bit of a minus, but I, I think probably Saar is one of those players we overlooked when we were looking at goalkeepers or the majority Wolves, did. The Wolves thing is kind of interesting though, in that it was game week four to fourteen was the big run of fixtures that quite a lot of people would have bought into their defense for. I bought in on Cody, I since sold him ahead of the later the recent clean sheets and indeed the goal. Um but in that for, in that kind of long run. They only got five clean sheets. And okay, only, it's not bad in the overall scheme of things for what you had to pay for it. But where Wolves have suddenly proven their value, or maybe you might, you know, someone else might say they've cashed in on their underlying defensive numbers more, um, maybe when you least expected it, is in these recent games. So in game weeks 15 to 21, they played Liverpool, Man City, Brighton, XG Albion, uh, Chelsea and Man United. And in that period, they managed to pick up three clean sheets out of the five. You know, so th- that's really... Okay, yeah, good results, good numbers. Uh, definitely says an awful lot for the defense, and it kind of shows how uh, wolves, anyway, are kind of have 
proven to be a, a set and forget defense um, for us, you know, with, with someone like Sa as a goalkeeper or indeed with someone like Cody, um, as Tom has found to his um, delight, I guess. And I kind of lost out on, I kept white when I had a choice of which one to keep. And, and that's been, you know, it cost me about 20 points, I think, over the course of the last few weeks, if not more. Um, so, yeah, that, that's just my kind of like two cents on Wolves is that they didn't necessarily get the clean sheets when we expected them, but they did come. Um, think, and maybe that's a lesson. There's a lesson in that for defences in general, maybe. Yeah, and I think that probably ties into what Harry was saying about making sure that you've got a strongish bench. I think probably the people that have owned Wolves have probably ended up playing them more than they expected, just because our squads have been cut cut shreds. So you end up playing people that you probably had as, you know, I'm sure a lot of people that bought Cody had him as a fourth or fifth defender and didn't expect to get a lot out of him, right. and they'll have ended up getting getting the points out of him so yeah, it's all skill it's all skill it definitely is yeah yeah absolutely no it's preparation though isn't it as, as much as I want to say that it's all luck certainly with Cody um I think there was an, there was there was a genuine reason for getting him into the squad you know 10 weeks ago and there were quite a lot of more than that 15 game weeks ago and a lot of people kind of jumped on it and it was those who stuck on him and didn't get twitchy trying to do kind of large scale changes to try and beat the template or whatever ended up being the ones who um, did particularly well on it. Uh, I, I guess maybe moving on from the Wolves question, I don't know if there's any other kind of thoughts on teams or players to keep an eye on. Maybe the, you, you've mentioned uh, Trippier a few times there, Harry, that's the, the Newcastle mercenary squad that's coming together. Is there any other people that you have an interest in? I, I, I'm not going to say to anyone that buying a Newcastle defender or a Newcastle asset at all over the part next couple of months is going to be a good idea, whether they sign... Halland and Bappe are still I'm unlikely. Uh, oh say. no, no, no! If they sign them, you <laughs> <laughs> we'll be coming back to this. Yeah, but we will be in, back in then the... for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Out of the players, I think they're realistically going to sign. I don't see a massive turnaround. It may be enough to keep them up. It looks like a sort of battle of four four teams at the bottom for for three relegation spots now with Leeds getting a few more points recently. So I don't fancy going near Newcastle. Another one that there's a lot of talk about, and I know Tom just mentioned him in defence, is Everton. And I find them very difficult to call. And I didn't go on Everton at all this week. It's so bad. Just don't do it. This is is it. It's one of those ones where it's, they have the nicest looking run of fixtures on paper, but they are just playing absolutely dreadfully. Do we think Rafa's going to last? He's got the backing of the board, doesn't he? So I guess for the time being, he will. Mm. Um, Nothing like a, I don't know it hasn't happened yet, but a vote of confidence, you know, that always, always sign that a manager is staying for a long term. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, go on, Harry, make me feel better Sorry, about Michael yeah. Keane. <laughs> Sorry, but we know they've got fixtures to still put in. So it might double in 22 if, if things go as maybe we expect. But then after that, so this week they've got Norwich, then it's Villa, Newcastle, Leeds, Southampton. So on the short term, it's very nice. Calvert-Lewin is a very appealing option. Yes, he missed the penalty, but still likely to keep penalties. But midfield, Damari Gray, Gordon at 4.5, but it's about his first attacking return of, of the season or something like that. So really, it's not sustainable from him. I look at it and think, I really want to see an option that I can trust given their run of fixtures, but I just absolutely cannot see it in, in any of them that I think I'm going to get a reasonable number of returns. Gray is probably the only one that I think I'm one, I, I can see myself owning you long term just because of his price and that others at that price, like like Gallagher, we don't know when he's going to be back. Like the Arsenal mids, again, they have tough fixtures and blanks, which may make me go there. But I just find it really difficult. And they're definitely a team that 
people have spoken about a lot this week because they could have two doubles in a row. But defensively, I can't back them. And up front, I just think there's probably, as we've spoken about, a lot of forwards that could see themselves becoming more into the four in the next couple of weeks, which makes Calvert-Lewin potentially more difficult to own. Apparently, he's also an injury doubt for the weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, another tough one. I mean, overall at the back, um, I mean, some people may be screaming, Burnley have got loads of games. Well, Burnley, I think. Wolves have a new Burnley, I think, um, mm. as, as, a, as an idea. I think Burnley, it might finally be the season they go down. But even though they're kind of, you know, the likes of Lowton and uh, Charlie Taylor are 4.4, I can't know with conscience back them. Same with the West Ham defence, you can't back them. One team we do play in carrot and blue, though, as I mentioned earlier on, are the Villa boys. And I think that um, Matt Cash he has been a bit of an all-fart, no-poo sort of character thus far. Um, but if you watch them play in the advanced positions, he does take up. You know, Matt D-esque, Alonso-esque sort of positions that he's, ta- he's taking up when they are on the attack. He could be one that's worth watching, um, especially if... As Gerard's system becomes more instilled, they've got very, very good fits. So I mentioned earlier on that 5.1, he could be one that you might want to jump in on before he catches fire because the underlying days is good enough since Gerard got in. It's not amazing. It's not kind of Matt D's style. You know, the, the man's kind of getting 60, 70 touches in the box and about three or four shots in the box every game. But he, they are good enough, at least to interest me. Uh, you also got Tyro Mings and last year's goalkeeper Dinos Jaws, Emmy Martinez hanging around too. So I suppose that'd be the only place that I'd be interested there. Speaking of teams in that sort of area though, uh, one team did get take over, taken over today by who we initially thought was a chess grandmaster, but it now turns out is a Serbian multi-millionaire slash billionaire. Uh, Mr. Uh, the ex-Bournemouth chairman, Rasmussen, Rasmussen Ankersen, that's it, is, is fronting a, 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 the, the, the group, isn't he? I mean, do you think that's going to change anything in terms of... Um, them going for in terms of you going for I should say um I, I think it should help us in the long term I we're not going to be you know a kind of Newcastle style takeover it's not that kind of thing there is no you know huge state backing um they aren't particularly rich by the very rich standards of, of football owners these days I think um the main investors worth just over a billion um, which seems ridiculous saying that that's not very rich. But you know what I mean? In the kind of hundreds of billions that um, City and Newcastle are talking about, we're not, they're not that that rich. And I think all of the the kind of conversation that's come out of the club today has been very much focused on continuity, on kind of working with the same um, playbook, as they like to call it, um, basically the same scheme of whatever we were planning before, but basically doing it with more financial stability. Um, I think probably people that have been looking at it will see that it was only just over 100 million for the 80% share, basically because we've got so much debt, um, took out a really big loan um, on the back of COVID, having been quite debt-free before that. Um, So that's definitely had an impact and is, again, one of those things that lends to increasing our financial stability. So that's it. Um, The kind of long-term discussion is about um, potentially becoming one of those multi-club um, networks, so Saints being the bigger club of a um, you know scheme across Europe, um, but obviously that's going to be a long time in the in the future, and that's kind of what's going to push on hopefully our scouting and our systems, and it's going to be that kind of sustainable model of growth rather than you know um, throwing this money at it. So I don't think you know in terms of this season for FPL we're going to see anything particularly different. Um, 
it might mean that we can be a bit more ambitious in the market in the summer um might see more of those kind of livermento style deals because we just didn't really have the money to finance them despite them being very cheap um so i think there'll be more of those kind of growth propositions in terms of players but i don't think we'll see you know i don't think we're gonna be buying mbappe so don't don't worry about that (laughs) Fair enough. So just James Ward-Prowse as double game week punts. That's the only thing that I'm going to be doing Southampton-wise. He always scores a free kick in double game week, right? It's just like the likes of Michael Keane score bullet headers in double game weeks, don't they? Ah, Speaking of double game weeks, I mean, we should probably just, I mean, obviously we know um, that specifics are quite tough to come by here. And there's a lot of team specificity. I hate that word. Um, Do we have any modicum of a chip strategy at the moment? Um, So if things are less rosy going forward, there's lots of rotation, for example, as Harry mentioned earlier on, due to the Champions League, if Liverpool, the title's lost, so are they going to put their energies in other competitions? Could it be worth getting rid of the bench boost early? And the only, I know that, obviously, I'm, I probably won't be doing it this week coming, um, judging, and we don't really know what the fixtures are. But one thing that does strike me is that you have still got a little while until the next the game week 22 comes around. So potentially, I mean, touch words, and this will be good, good for everyone. Hopefully the wave, the main kind of uh, spike in the wave would have passed by then. So hopefully things will have calmed down and stabilized a little bit. So maybe it'd be worth using the bench boost in game week 22 and just kind of getting rid of it. Or are you getting or using it soon at least? I mean, Harry, just to start with, I mean, do you have any sort of plans for using anything? Have you used your first free hit yet either? No, so I have everything left. And I was I was I was talking to someone about this the other day, and I reckon this week there should be about of active managers, 90% of them playing a chip this week. If we get a big double game week that there is at the moment, especially if you've got both your free hits left. If you've if you've used one of your free hits, then I can understand there's a small possibility that you don't use a chip. However, I don't look at the season and think there's going to be enough better opportunities to start playing the rest of your chips if you go into the rest of the season with wild card two free hits triple captain and bench boost all left and not use one in 22 the amount of sort of doubles and big blanks that you can really utilize these effectively i don't think is enough i originally planned i didn't use it in 19 when a lot of people used it I was then actually thinking, I don't need it in game week 22. I ended up bringing in a few West Ham players this week who are unlikely to double. So I may end up using it now. And actually, the more I look at it, I think, yes, great, I could save it. But actually, I'm just going to get a backlog of chips at the end of the season. Game week 30, I'm pretty set that it looks like it's going to be a big blank game week. And I'm pretty certain that I'll play my second free hit in that week. Game week 36 looks like a big double game week. And I'll plan on using my bench boost there if I don't use it in 22 but that would mean I would have to wildcard into 36 to make sure I've got a I've got a strong bench so this week I, I really think is the first really good opportunity to use a chip in an attacking way whether it's your triple captain if Liverpool get a double now if they get their game cancelled on Thursday it's unlikely that they're going to double in 22 now but there are other ones if you if you're not going to triple captain them you could take a punt on someone else. If not, everyone is going to have, you know, strong benches with the likes of West Ham assets. You're still going to be having the likes of Cancelo on your bench. Yes, it's Chelsea, but Cancelo can score points against anyone. I just think that the amount of people, I think if you have a a chance to play a chip this week, I really would. I think it's one of the best chances if we get a decent enough double, which is what it looks like at the moment. 
get you. I get you. I, I just, I just, I, I would like to use my bench boots. I really would. Like, I just feel yeah. like the, the longer you leave it, the more it falls prey, especially those big players that we all kind of need yeah. performances from. Like, we all remember 2015-16, that big double game week. You know, Alexis Sanchez went mad. Harry Kane went mad. We don't really have that sort of level of reliability right now. Maybe we'll see Harry Kane again emerge from the chrysalis, a beautiful butterfly. But I just don't think at the moment we can quite kind of say that that double game which is going to be the best one. And also like wildcarding that late, something about that yeah. for me has always felt a bit like I'm losing the value of the wildcard to only have it for three weeks. I don't know. I don't know. Lucy, what do you think about all this? And what's your current plan? Well, I kind of missed the chip strategy. I'd sort of, on the fly planned um mm. mainly because i spent boxing day joyriding my seven-year-old nephew's go-kart instead of actually doing what i was meant to be doing i'm, I'm so glad you said go heart <laughs> yeah thank you um so i yeah that was so inappropriate anyway so um i <laughs> you just throw me completely off why have you done that Careful. right so <laughs> so yeah i I basically spent too much on real life and not enough time on FPL. So I basically hit the deadline and was like, I don't have a like a workable draft. I could just do it in five minutes, pretending to be like going to the toilet or whatever, but it doesn't seem like a great idea. So as a consequence, I'm kind of with Harry in the sense that I think a chip needs to be played this week. And I think it will be my free hit just to kind of like max out the double game week as hard as I can. If I had used a free hit where, as I'd planned, then I think I possibly would be looking at bench boost. That said, would I actually do it? Because I'm pretty risk averse and I just see postponements just ruining the whole thing. So may, maybe not, but I do agree with Harry in the sense that if you've got a lot of chips, as we mostly do, I, you've got to play one this week, I think, um, unless there's you know significant disruption to the to the doubles um because there are very few opportunities to be kind of confident this season you know you can't plan too far ahead because you don't know what's going to happen um so yeah in that sense I think that makes sense but I think yeah I'm probably going to free hit this coming week especially if we have those kind of um no double for Liverpool I think that could be a good way to kind of pivot out of that yeah it makes sense get rid of the uh... Well, not get rid of, but not have to worry about friends. And oh, they're game again against Brentford, isn't it? So equally, that could be one of those which yeah, could be. To bite you. Yeah, it could be. Okay, um, and Anthony, you and I both used the free hit chip a couple of weeks ago to varying degrees of success. I I had success, varying. and you and yes. you did not. Varying, varying, <laughs> certain variants. Yeah, variants. Variants. Yeah, variants. Sliding doors, <laughs> sliding doors. It's all luck. It's all luck. Um, anyway, yeah, um, well, how are you slide. looking? <laughs> uh yeah that, that that free hit was terrible and the, the better the less said the better um how are things looking basically this season has as been previously noted a been, been a bit of a disaster for me so i've actually just been thinking about of all the chips to use to use my wild card early soon maybe even ahead of the next game week to just set myself up for what i hope will be a clearer set of fixtures um this is almost like a, a bit of a gamble, like virologically, as much as anything, that these COVID waves, this COVID wave kind of passes through as it's expected to, you know, whatever sort of natural immunity that there was to be garnered within the squads is kind of built up to the point that at least, you know, 
they can keep going on with the fixtures because we've learned anyway that the fixtures were going to go ahead until unless there's a pretty big outbreak. A lot of teams have had pretty big outbreaks at this stage. So I just kind of hope that the problem with Omicron has kind of passed. New variants may come in the future um, later on this even, even, but I just let's not even worry about that yet. And of all the chips that I'd like to preserve, the free hit chip is the one that I'd like to preserve the most because A, it would help me navigate a blank game week, but B, it might help me navigate some sort of COVID omni-shambles, which we have learned is always around the corner. So with that in mind, I was thinking, you know what? An early wild card, get myself moving in a different direction, preferably not down at an even faster rate than I'm usually going this season and uh, see where that lands me. I think it just be a bit more interesting. Might allow me to A, make a plan for getting Salah back in um, and also to kind of cash in on this AFCON period, where which has kind of thrown things into disarray to some degree around the league. Uh, need to kind of work out where exactly I will be making said capitalizing. But I definitely think that with just the way my team is and the transfers I made to kind of make the most of even this double game week and over Christmas and things, I am happy to uh, go make some changes, sell King, get Dennis, sell Ronaldo, banish him to the shadow realm, uh, keep Watkins, keep Alan, the hero of this double game week so far with one return for me. What a guy. Um, dump City assets, get other City assets, dump Chelsea assets, maybe never get them again, you know, get more Liverpool assets, this sort of thing. Uh, and stuff. Seriously maverick stuff, but I think it's just, it is just rearranging my team around um, to get what I hope will be one or two moves ahead of the template and allowing me to basically get Salah back in ahead of the template, which might, or at least without as much pain as it might cost the rest of the template that may see me gain some green arrows and perhaps finish in the top 100k considering I've now found my way back down to about 750k just finally just to wrap up on that one the only thing with the bench boost is we've all got reasonably strong squads now because over Christmas I've now got a bench that looks like I've got double Arsenal on there this week I've got you know Manchester City options in there as well because they've got Chelsea it's not often that we get to a point where we could play our bench boost, where we've naturally got a really strong bench, which could mean that maybe now is the time, as you said, not playing it in 36. Could we get away with playing it now? It depends. It will depend on how the, the yeah, doubles fall, yeah. whether I play it free hit or bench boost. But I expect Foster, for example, looks like he's pretty close to coming back. It's a week and a half until the next round of fixtures. I really expect him to come back in for Watford. Backman's been... He played well against Spurs, but I think that's about his first good game since he's come back into the team. I'd probably expect Foster to go back in, which then helps us all a little bit more if you want to play a bench boost and you've still got him. So it could work out that that bench boost is is the chip to play. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's tempting with the bench boost only that I guess it, this is where Tom gets into the specificity question, isn't it? That if your team is well set for it, great, but for me anyway yeah. with my 15 like it's just it's definitely not on the agenda i think maybe people who navigated the christmas period in a slightly different way um will be set like you harry and you know there, there might be actually a, a significant portion of the audience that agree that bench boost now and just get it done with as well because honestly yeah. bench boost is just such a font of disappointment that you know at least this might work out as good a chance as any yeah I think uh, it's just going to depend actually partly on that Arsenal-Liverpool scenario as to what happens with it. As to, kind of, I think that'll make a few decisions for people. Um, yep. If Particularly if you've got, you know, you've still got a few Arsenal. I know some people have sold all of their Arsenal, but if you've got a few left, um, 
I think that that'll help to define it as well. Um, but yeah, I think a chip makes sense. Um, I have looked at a wild card. I just don't think it gives it leverages enough of an advantage at this point. So I'm looking at a similar scheme to Harry for that, but I might take it a little bit earlier rather than doing kind of wild card and then bench boost as like a, a pairing. But um, something like that makes seems to make sense to me. Plenty of things are kind of up in the air. That's basically it. And I guess that's why yeah. we've taken this opportunity to run a, a, a podcast where we mostly talked about ourselves rather than FPL, uh, rather than trying to do a podcast that looked ahead at FPL. And I guess that means that you guys should probably listen in again next week when Tom and I talk about how things have been so far this season and look ahead to the second half of the season with a bit more statistical detail um, than we went for this time around. But anyway, thanks very much to everyone who did listen today. It was great. We were who got the assist. If you want to send in some correspondence, who got the assist at gmail.com is the email or you can find us through many other ways. You know the ways at this point. Yep, thanks very much for joining us. I hope you're excited about things going forward as I am. Thanks, Harry. See you very, very soon. Can you do Game Week 27 onwards? Anthony actually is leaving at the start of March, not the end of March. Sadly, I've now booked six holidays, so those three game weeks <laughs> oh, no. are the question. No, we'll be fine. 27 will do as well. No worries. Excellent. There we go. There we go. And uh, Lucy, we'll see you very, very soon as well. Thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for having me on. Excellent. Excellent. And thanks, Anthony. As mentioned, not leaving yet. Um, thanks, Anthony. You, you too. You, that guy. <laughs> he's, just seen, he's got new shiny things now. Gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks for showing your face around these parts for, 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 for a time, deigning to get off your high horse to join us. So, yeah, it's, be, a, be, it's a stag, not a horse. Uh, Sorry. Uh, yeah. I was going to make that joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't want to jump on that stag from the front. Anyway, um, We'll be back next week with that look at the 200 club at the halfway point as Anthony just referred to. We were looking forward to assisting you in 2022. Speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.